What is up, fanboys and fangirls? Welcome to another Review Point podcast coming to you from fanboysanonymous.com. I am your host, Tony Mango, and my target to review for this edition is going to be Inferno. Just came out earlier today, just went to go see it. My thoughts are all fresh in my brain. Actually just posted a Minuteman review up a few minutes ago from when I just started recording this, so maybe you want to check that out if you don't want to listen to the full-on breakdown of the hits and the misses, because that's what we do here with the review point. It's talking about what are the positives, what are the negatives, all that kind of stuff. Pretty gimmicky, but I'm stupid and I like gimmicky things. So uh, if you are not aware of what Inferno is... It's the third film in the series that are inspired by the four Dan Brown novels. Oddly enough, the uh, first movie is The Da Vinci Code and then Angels and Demons, but as far as the books go, Angels and Demons comes first, if I remember correctly, then The Da Vinci Code, and in both cases, they're skipping over the third one, The Lost Symbol, and going straight to the fourth one. So, I don't know why they're mixing around the timeline and that kind of stuff, but who really cares? doesn't really matter, right? So if you have not seen the movies, you haven't read the books or any of those kind of things, and you don't want to be spoiled, then bookmark this, go check them out, and then come back because there will be spoilers in this review. But maybe you're the type of person that actually wants to have those spoilers to know whether or not you would want to see the movie. And if that's the case, by all means, keep listening. As long as I uh, clarify that ahead of time to let everybody know, because I do plan on talking about characters, where different twists are, and different things like that. So let's just start diving right into this. Uh, I mentioned in my Miniman review that I'm not as big of a fan of this as I was Angels and Demons, and Angels and Demons I didn't think was as good as The Da Vinci Code. There's a couple of reasons why, and I'm going to start off with kind of the beginning of it, which is a miss for me. This movie itself starts off in a very jarringly disorientating kind of way, and I know that the reason for that was to thrust the viewers into a sort of sympathetic state with Robert Langdon, so we feel like we're going along for the ride and not just watching him. But I don't know, man. There's a fundamental problem in this movie that I think some people might disagree with me on, and that's how I don't want this to be a psychological thriller in the same vein as what it tries to do. I mean, I enjoy these movies for the puzzle aspect, and this doesn't really feel the same. There was a concerned effort, it seemed, with Angels and Demons, where they wanted to make sure that everything felt a little bit more hectic and you kind of weren't as bored, because I know some people were saying that the first movie was boring. I don't think that it necessarily is. It does seem like it drags on a little bit in some different points, and it's a pretty long film. But then again, you're talking about any kind of these movies. Any kind of movie that's long, people are going to say that it's boring. And when you don't have constant action, people are going to say things are boring sometimes too, if they think that it's going to be an action movie. And they didn't really market these movies as action films. So if you go into it expecting it to be the same balls-to-the-wall action as like a, I don't know, Transformers or something like that, of course you're going to be disappointed. But I think that they took the criticism of it being quote-unquote boring. And with Angels of Demons, they were like, let's make sure that it's always, you know, we always check the clock. It's always, we have 10 minutes to get to this thing and that kind of stuff. And I don't really like those type of movies all that much. I don't go to the movies to feel, not scared, because I wouldn't say scared, more like to feel tense. I don't like that. I go to the movies to see stories and to have a little bit of escapism too at the same time, depending on what type of movie it is, whether it's comedy just to make me laugh, get my mind off things, or fantasy elements where it's like a Star Wars and I've got, you know, the Jedi or the things that I'm following and that kind of stuff. But I don't 
like horror films and I don't like slasher films or really tense thriller kind of things like even like gravity not the biggest fan of that because I don't want to constantly just feel like everything's going to go to shit and people are going to die over and over and over again I'm already uh, stressed out and tensed enough as it is on my daily life kind of a thing so I didn't think that the Da Vinci Code needed to be more tense and Angels and Demons also has one of my least favorite things in... Actually, you know what? I shouldn't say least favorite. One of the most disappointing character turns in any movie that I can remember seeing, which, again, spoilers, I really liked Ewan McGregor's character in that. And when he turned out to be the bad guy, I was so disappointed because I was just like, damn it, I wanted that to be a good story of like... It worked so perfectly, which I got to tap uh, tip my hat off if I was wearing one to them for being able to do that because that's the point was going to be that it seemed like such a good plan that he could be like this canonized new Pope and all that. And that he's the bad guy. And I was like, son of a bitch, this movie doesn't do that. Um, and it just keeps the same tension actually to an even darker level too. Like everything has to be, the world is going to end. Half the population is going to end, not just, Robert Langdon's in trouble or one person's going to die. It's literally like an, a, an apocalyptic event, an extinction event. So they amp up the level of the stakes and they pepper it with all sorts of different demonic things. And he's got these flashes in his brain of these bubonic plague, inferno, uh, well, inferno, there you go. Uh, you know, the blood rushing out of the glass windows and all that. And... I mean, I said it again in my um my Minuteman review. This reminded me more of The Ninth Gate than it did a follow-up to Angels and Demons or The Da Vinci Code. Because those movies are kind of like the National Treasure films more so than anything else. Like, they, they try to take history and sort of warp it a little bit. And I mean, as much as I'm not a historian and I would hate to sit on lectures of these kind of topics... I miss the treasure hunt being tied into conspiracies and all, because I like things like ancient aliens and some other historical kind of things like that, that are sort of alternate history. And what if the whole thing with JFK is a conspiracy and that kind of stuff is pretty interesting to me. So I liked being able to see things like with the Da Vinci Code, where they're saying that the Bible's misleading. And if you look at the way that the uh, Da Vinci's painting is, that it's a V and, um, the Isaac Newton's apple was the key and all that stuff. Friday the 13th coming in with the massacre and all that. I mean, yeah, they might twist things and they might kind of lie and it's not how things actually went down and all that, but that's the kind of fun that I have with these films. So I missed that in this. And when you start off a movie with this whole thriller aspect of it being like, oh man, I, I don't remember anything and I've got people shooting at me and the, the world's going to end and then they strip it of all the fun stuff too, then it's just not as fun for me. I, I think that the people that are more into the horror things would appreciate this movie more. And since I don't like it, that's why I have to give that a miss. You probably, if you are a fan of these kind of things, probably think that that's a huge plus for it because that's something that 
maybe you think was lacking in the other ones. So that's where a big divide is going to be right now. I can already tell if you think that this is better, more enjoyable, it might be because of that tone. Tone, though, for me, way off. And even when it came to the puzzle aspect of it, the other movies were like built in old centuries uh, made in the past puzzles and huge problems with like prophecies and different stuff like that. This one was more like, hey, there's this dude who likes puzzles a little bit. He's got a crush on Dante and he has a dumb name, Bertrand. No wonder he wants to kill the world. They probably picked on him a lot when he was a kid. And another problem with that too, by the way, speaking of the villain, another big miss for me, Sienna was so obviously the villain from the start. I mean, it didn't take me more than a few seconds after the hospital scene for me to go, all right, I think that this is probably a setup hospital and she's bullshitting them. I didn't think necessarily of the part where he says that there's no locks on the doors, but I thought right afterward, how is the door bulletproof? Because as much as I don't know about like the architecture of hospitals and stuff, the lock thing, I would assume there would be locks on doors, but not bulletproof doors at a hospital. And the fact that they didn't run into pretty much anybody else other than that one dude when they were trying to escape... That just threw me off, and there's also kind of a little bit of a problem of having going, gone into this with having seen the other two films, because I knew the first film, we've got a very attractive brunette woman in her 30s, who ends up being the literal descendant of Jesus Christ. The second movie, we have a beautiful brunette woman in, I'm assuming, her 30s, who is the savior of the God particle and all this other kind of stuff. And in this movie, we have a beautiful woman, brunette hair in her early thirties. I think Felicity Jones is maybe like 31 or so. And I figured they can't do three movies in a row where he's accompanied by a beautiful brunette woman and she's good. So I I knew that they were going to do that twist. Maybe that's just me having seen way too many movies and going into this, knowing where twists can come and that kind of stuff. But on top of that, the fact that the villain was already dead, we needed some guy, not some guy, somebody to personify the big bad of the film. And they killed off, I can't remember his name, uh, Omar Sy's character. They killed him off, so that wasn't an issue. He wasn't going to be the one that was really behind the whole thing. And then they also killed off, or not they killed off, but they... they sort of changed up the whole idea with the other characters. I mean, we've got uh, the one shadow government sort of side of things. Seems like they're good pretty early on. And then you've got the World Health Organization, and, you know, the entire World Health Organization isn't going to be bad, so it's either the woman who is very clearly somebody from Tom Hanks's past is bad, which I doubt, or it's going to be the woman that is tanking along and... Felicity Jones has more spunk to her and she can kind of play that sort of evil side to her a little bit more. So that was very, very obvious. And that was disappointing to see because I didn't see the Ewan McGregor turn coming. And if I remember correctly, when I saw the Da Vinci Code, I didn't necessarily see Ian McKellen's turn coming. So you lost me a little bit with that. It just seemed a little bit weaker. Uh, what else we have here? I do want to mention a couple positives because it wasn't all negatives by, you know, far. I mean, this wasn't a movie I'm going to crap all over, but let's talk about some of the hits. I think Irfan Khan, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I like seeing him as this kind of charismatic, good, bad guy. They did that in Jurassic World, which I think was 
a little bit more enjoyable of a role for him compared to whoever he played in Amazing Spider-Man. He was like Dr. Dr. Rothka or something like that. I didn't really like him in that movie, but I liked him in Jurassic World. And I liked him in this one even better because he was a kind of cool guy. I almost didn't want him to die. And I liked Elizabeth, the romance, that whole thing. It's nice to see her. By the way, I can't remember her name, and I probably wouldn't be able to pronounce it either. I looked it up earlier, and it's a French name or something. Uh, but uh, the woman who plays her, it's nice to see her in a role where she's nice because she is such a bitch in Westworld. And if you have not seen Westworld, definitely give it a chance. Go uh, go check that out. It's a really good show. The Mickey Mouse watch, tying that in with Elizabeth was really good because they mentioned that in the second film, but they didn't really go into it. And I was curious if they were going to kind of pick up where they left off with the Mickey Mouse watch. Something to do with his family. His parents gave it to him, but... When he lost it, I was like, oh, man, he lost a watch. It means nothing to me right now, but, you know, just the fact that they were like, this means something, and then he loses it. I wanted him to get it back, so I was happy about that. That was a hit. I have to give another hit to the soundtrack. I kind of have to go back, though, and listen to it in isolation, because I don't really know if anything stood out to me all that much, but I know that they carried over the main theme from the first film, and they did the same with the second film. And I love the score for those. Hans Zimmer is just awesome. So I have to give it a plus for that. Or, well, a hit. Because we're doing the gimmick where we do that with review point. A thumbs up, a pat on the back, whatever. It's good. You know, I don't like that they abandon a lot of theme songs in a lot of different movies. So whenever they carry one over and it's something that I like a whole lot, then it's good. So that's a hit. But I don't know. I mean, overall, this movie... It left me feeling kind of hollow. It didn't seem like it was on par with the previous two in a lot of different ways. Almost like if they would have had a different director that came into the mix, but that's not the case because Ron Howard did this one too, so I don't know what was lost in translation, if it was just that they changed the tone too much, or if it was quicker and they didn't have as much to kind of go by. It's like the foundation isn't stronger or anything like that. I don't really know. But it just felt like a series of diminishing returns. The quality's going down with each movie. The first one's better. The second one's not as good as the first one, but it's better than the third one. Either way, I still want to see a fourth one. I want to see what the lost symbol is about. Because that kind of seems like it's closer on track to what I liked about the first one. And the parts about the second one that I enjoyed too. Then again though, I never read any of Dan Brown's, uh, Dan Brown's novels. So I have no idea that's how it's organized for all I know it could be something completely different all I know is that the basic plot is something with the Freemasons in Washington DC and that's the kind of shtick that I originally got into this for so if the first movie The Da Vinci Code is all about these different conspiracies and these weird puzzles that have been put in Da Vinci's work throughout history and it has to tie into the Bible and the Bible is misleading and that kind of stuff and the second one is kind of on par with that a little bit, but it's the Illuminati and that they've planted these symbols around and all that. This third film, Dante's Inferno, was just sort of like the guy likes Dante and it's a race against the clock to find a virus. And that's not the same type of thing because if you were going to do an Indiana Jones film, it's supposed to be about the, the action and that they're finding this lost treasure and it's got some kind of mystical element to it. Now, imagine if he did an Indiana Jones film and it was that they stole, I don't know, say, uh, let's, let's just say the Declaration of Independence. They sold that and you were just chasing the people down and you had to run away from their guns. 
that wouldn't feel quite the same. And that's sort of the issue that I have with this. It just doesn't feel like it's the same type of movie. So I'm disappointed with it. And overall, I still have to give it a little bit of a hit, but it's a very minor hit. And I wouldn't really recommend it to a lot of different people. I said uh, right when I was leaving the theater that I don't feel like I wasted my 15 bucks to see this but I'm also a little bit disappointed that I spent 15 bucks for it. If it would have been Netflix, I think I would have been a little bit happier with it. So if you're on the fence, maybe you should check it out on Netflix, especially now that you know the whole goddamn plot. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish I could give this a rousing big old hit and I just can't. I don't want to go as far as to give it a miss because it's not bad. It's just something that's nowhere near as good as the first one. And if you disagree with my thoughts on the first one and you think that that was boring, then you're probably going to like this one a little bit better. So maybe that's the difference maker. Maybe you want to see more of a thriller and maybe you want that dark edge and you want the, not mysticism, but like that, that occult kind of a thing. So, you know, if that's your, your deal, you like that a little bit more, go ahead and check it out because the more support that this movie gets, the more likely we are to get a fourth one. And at that point, if the fourth one sucks, then I know that really it was just the Da Vinci Code that was pretty decent and that's it. So whatever. Uh, I still hold out that Da Vinci Code was pretty good. Actually, I think that that's really good. I enjoy that movie a lot. Still think that Angels and Demons is pretty decent. Not as big a fan of Inferno. But I want to know what you guys have to say, whether you've seen the movie or not. If you have seen the movie, tell me what you thought. If you haven't seen it yet, tell me what's making you go 50-50 or whatever the case may be. Whatever your thoughts are, drop them in the comments below on either YouTube or the website. The website, obviously, if you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher. The YouTube, if you're on the YouTube page. And if you are on the YouTube page, make sure you hit that thumbs up button to show your support for ReviewPoint and Fanboys Anonymous. Subscribe, if you haven't already, to the YouTube channel. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook is .com slash Fanboys Anonymous. Twitter is at Fanboys Anon, because we can't fit Fanboys Anonymous, goddamn limit. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode of The Review Point. Thanks for checking this out, everybody. I'm Tony Mango, and I'm a fanboy. See you next time. Geeks out.